0: You need to get all your beer stuff taken care of. All right, so this is one you made, right? Yep. Tell me about it.
1: This is a about a 7% IPA, New England style, New England IPA, I guess. Very cloudy. It's uh, double dry hopped with citra and Amarillo. Looks like orange juice. It's juicy. It's good. <clears throat> Starting to get this brew thing down, aren't you? Yeah, this actually tastes a little strange to me. I'm not sure if it's how I feel in the growler. I don't know if it Well, my taste is
0: out of whack anyway, no, really. so I can't really I, I get it's weird because I can't really taste things very well. But there are certain things I can taste really well, like certain herbal or aromatic type stuff I get a lot of. Yeah. I don't know if that's just my sinuses or what, but it's really sensitive to that kind of stuff. But just like full on flavor on the flat of my tongue, it's just not
1: there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. uh I've been brewing every couple of weeks. So that's like I do, and I do five gallon batches. So that's like ten ten gallons of beer a month I'm making. I'm not drinking that much. I give a lot away. <laughs> but I just uh, I'm gonna brew uh, this weekend. Actually, I'm gonna I'll, I'll be kegging a. I did not know what to call it yet. I'm not sure if it's more a porter or a stout or just a brown ale. Um, but it's supposed to be like a coffee-ish kind of coffee beer, but there's no coffee in it. So it's just a four-ingredient beer, right? So water, hmm. malt, yeast, and hops.
0: So it's part of this uh, but I'm, challenge of taking these same four ingredients and make them,
1: yes. making them taste a certain profile. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of going for like a chocolatey coffee type of beer. Uh, and I'm also going to be brewing this weekend. I will. Wouldn't
0: it just be easier just to put coffee in it? It it, it,
1: would, it would be. That's it's, the it's point. That's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a challenge. I mean, sure, I could put coffee in it. And, I, and I'll do that. I've done that before. I'll do that again at some point. But yeah, this is just a simple beer. See what I can do with it. I'm, I, the beer I'm going to brew this weekend, though, is a, um, uh, a double vanilla milkshake IPA. To make a beer float with it. My strawberry vanilla (laughs) milkshake IPA was was so successful that uh, I'm gonna do another
0: milkshake. Beer beer. floats are a thing, aren't they? I've never had one.
1: You know, some of these like really big, rich, sweet, uh, like adjunct stouts that have like you know chocolate and coffee and uh, chili and all kinds of stuff in them. Those are great for ice cream. Hmm. I mean, some of them are like the ones that are you know approaching twenty percent. I mean, those those you can just put right into ice cream. But other ones. I think you could um, actually put in a saucepan and reduce down. I've done this before. It's been really? a while. I need, to, I need to start doing it again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great on ice cream. Huh. So you just reduce it down to a sauce? Oh, yeah. I mean, have you ever done like Kahlua in ice cream? Yeah. It's kind of like that, except this is, I mean, it's way better with beer. Mm. With, a, with a nice stout. Anyway, uh, John, we have we have a new name for the AvCloud. It's because yes, it, it it's been a year since since <laughs> since it got. And I, you know, I've 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 come up with a new policy. I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna skip every other re- rebranding just for my own ease of uh, I don't know. You might get behind that way. That's fine. Because it, sometimes it skips a generation. We're, we're all like behind anyway. Years because, people still call it Salesforce One. I guess that was the name before AppCloud. It was Salesforce One, mm-hmm. and then it became AppCloud, and now the new name that they just announced is the Salesforce Platform. To which many people replied, What? I've I've been calling it the Salesforce platform. That's is this is a new name? Yeah. <laughs> no one knows what to call it. It doesn't matter. It's just we I you know I guess Salesforce needs a name for just all of the random crap that it has built and bought over the past twenty years. I don't know. I think I just think AppCloud Cloud just wasn't resonating.
0: It just no one knew what it was or what it is. And
1: And you know what? we we still don't, and we're not gonna know what this is. I think is just and,
0: saying this is this is the Salesforce platform. It lends itself to being more generic. It lends itself to that to that question being, well, it, it's, it's our platform. We have so many different things. We can't we can't
1: put a bow around it because there's so many things. Right? Because when you say Salesforce, the question is, are you talking about the company or the or the services they have? And this is a way to dis, to distinguish that. To, if you're referring to their services, then you just say the Salesforce platform. If you're referring to the company, then you talk about Salesforce.
0: Do we not say Salesforce.com anymore?
1: No, I think they dropped the .com, didn't they? I don't know. I feel like they did. Yeah I, yeah, I feel yeah. weird cuz sometimes in documentation
0: I I I wanna specify .com still every so often.
1: I mean, I think they learned something when they when they rebranded to AppCloud. I remember they, you know, they 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 uh, sent what's his name, Peter Coffey out to <clears throat> try to make some crap up about what that even meant and they, and they even tried to pat, pawn it off as like a new thing. Oh, like yeah. this is a new thing, you know, and it's whatever. It's like, okay, no, well, I don't know if it. they did or the, or the blogs did or what, but I, I, I oh, no, don't know. He, he, Peter Coffey drew up a, a, a this diagram of, oh, yeah, of all this diagram. stuff, and it's like, and he talked all about the, it like it was some new
0: thing. Well, the blogs ate it up though, they're all
1: about it. Oh, uh, new, exciting, new uh, yeah. App I mean, I guess cloud. you know, like your, your ZD nets and probably, probably uh, who else, Bloomberg, Forbes. maybe Forbes for sure, right? They're gonna just do you know, well, they're always just, <laughs> I mean it doesn't cost anything to have someone write that article. Um I'm next to nothing. Right? Yeah. So if, number one you don't have to pay anyone hardly anything to produce this content, content cuz you're just taking salesforce's press release, basically and Peter Coffey's drawing. And uh yeah, you got an article. Hopefully you can get some clicks. That's why I mean, you know, so many of these articles about Salesforce, if you look at they they result in zero interaction on that side. That they hardly mm-hmm. get any comments. Yeah. You know, it's just there, there's there's nothing to talk about. And in fact, um it brings me, I guess, it just reminded me of this. One of my things I just wanted to mention was the Salesforce, uh, they're using AI now to democratize SQL. Democratize SQL. <laughs> yeah. the, I guess you didn't see this, right? So yeah. um, they, uh, they, they came up with um, a little tool that you can ask. I guess you can just type in a question. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what their example was. I should have a link, but I don't. Um, and the question was like, in what year did some somebody win some golf tournament or something like that? Or finish? Yeah, no, I'm sure it's one of those things you have to ask. You have to <laughs> as just as with Alexa or any of the, sorry, yeah. ugh, cancel. Um, <laughs> as with any of these things, you know, you have to get good at them. You have to know how to use them. And I feel like you know, Siri's that way, the echo is that way. And I don't know, maybe one of them's better than the other. I I honestly I avoid all of these things. I rarely use Siri for anything. What maybe about well? What I about will. when Apple comes out with their new speaker? Are you gonna get the speaker with the built in Siri? I don't I don't it I don't have a hole in my life that's the shape of an Apple HomePod. I, I already have a good stereo, I guess, sound system. Yeah. I don't need another one of those. I already have Siri on every device I have I've already I've already got an echo for other things so I, I don't know think like another thing is my home is not very
0: smart I've got I've got my thermostat is the only thing that I can connect to any of my
1: devices and everything else is just they're just dumb machines I want the dumbest home I can get is that because that is that is that okay if I just stick with dumb I want a dumb home I don't want the whole world to be tracking me. I don't want Salesforce and their IoT to be collecting loads of data on me. They already have loads of data. I mean, I'm sure Salesforce and all its customers with these Crux and the, all these different marketing platforms I bought them and these data, marketing data things that they track everything you do. I'm yeah. sure, that, sure they already have tons of data on me. I don't, I don't want to give them any more.
0: I think what I was surprised by, and I, I don't know when, where I read this. I think it was a week or something, which is probably I don't remember, but I remember reading some article. Uh, actually, I think it was some kind of TED Talk that I was catching up on. And the guy was talking about uh, you know all these social media sites. And I guess they did some kind of survey that asked people if they realized how much inform- how much of their personal information was getting tracked. And so they asked a bunch of people, and I think the number was somewhere around 60, 80, some, some odd number that was on the favor of them not knowing that all their information is being tracked and stored and collected and, and shared and cross-referenced and everything else, and just, I was surprised. I thought people were at least aware that, yes, I'm using this tool, and yes, it's collecting data, but it's a trade-off, it's a it's an agreeable trade-off for me, which is why they keep using them.
1: Well, I mean, we all make that trade-off, I mean.
0: But, I mean, you do with everything, You're, with your reward card program at your grocery store and everything else, it's.
1: do you use Gmail? You use Gmail. was
0: <laughs> so, oh, well, so it's
1: wonderful, it's free. Speaking of Google, I mean, they, they've, man, they've been really getting torn up in the in the new and I guess more in the, the I guess the blog space or I guess I guess some news news outlets as well um, what was it about it was uh, them basically trying to it turns out that you know they lobby more than basically any company spend more lobbying money and they give money also this is this this is I guess where it gets kind of even nastier is they give a ton of money to all kinds of different like uh, of these like think tanks and mm. NGOs that like you know, influence policy and thought and all that kind of crap. And it turns out that they also, anytime one of these groups, you know, write something that's not favorable of Google, uh, they turns out they oftentimes get a call from Google and say, hey, uh, gee, we gave you, you know, $20 million last year, but wouldn't it be a shame if we didn't give you money this year? <laughs> and this, um, what was, there was a group, wasn't that the American Enterprise Institute? It was one of the, it was some other group. Actually, it was a, I think, a left-leaning group, uh, but their entire one of their entire divisions had like twenty people that were fellows or whatever in this group, mm-hmm. and they let the entire group go um, after what's his name Schmidt, Mister Schmidt, called them up and said, "Yeah, we don't like what you did here. Fire those people." And they all got fired or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember the name of the group. Um, God, what was it? Open Markets. Open Markets. That's the name of the group. I'm sure you can Google it and find it. Well, I guess yeah, that Google goes it goes hand in hand with don't don't <laughs> yeah, bite the hand that feeds you, right? Well, the problem is Google will just feed every, feed all feed all these groups, feed everyone who's publishing any information, every news outlet, every think tank. I mean, this is, and there's, I mean, just, like I said, I mean, here's another article I just happen to have on my browser. Yes, this is on Gizmodo. Yes, Google uses its power to quash ideas it doesn't like. I know because it happened to me. And there's just tons of these examples, and Google is... Yeah, but I mean, Google's mm-hmm. big, and they spread
0: money around quite a bit. I mean how much of how much of an overmind is there is it i mean it can't just be one person it's like keeping track of every little thing and going
1: up oh, you said something bad you're done i i don't I, they probably don't do that but when stuff makes the news or when when stuff gets passed around about google they don't like yeah they if well, it's, sure. if I mean, it's if if come you, from if it's come from a place they've donated in quotes money to all these donations man they well, they've all got strings attached well
0: everything has strings attached i mean everything in this hyper where we're just inundated with news and everyone trying to make news and everyone trying to make something out of something so they can get clicks and get advertisers and get basically get your eyeballs on, on, on their site or on their their TV program. It's going to draw attention to these things. And as it draws attention to these things, right or wrong, companies are forced to respond. And a lot of times the easiest thing for them to do is just pull out and say, okay, yeah, we're not supporting this. Whether we agree or not, this is, this is just not something we
1: want to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to be pretty universally frowned upon what Google's doing. People aren't liking this. <clears throat>
0: yeah, but I mean, people people are strange. Like, people if you're if Google did something that they agree with, like against someone that they disagreed with, and mm-hmm. Google did something that they 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 tend to go, yeah, that made sense. But when Google does it to, to something that they agree with and uh, has an opposing view, basically, that's when people start getting outraged. And I, I find the imbalance of what pe- or their hypocrisy, I guess, of what people consider right injustice and, and and what's considered an injustice.
1: I hear what you're saying, but you should probably read some of these some of the just some of these examples. I mean, and this is there's backlash that's coming from, you know, all both ends of the political spectrum against Google here. This is, you know, kind of across the board. That's so a good thing. That means
0: they're pissing off everyone, which means they they're doing stuff to everyone or everything, yeah, <laughs> something like that. If it was all coming from one side then I guess you can make that case, but if you start seeing complaints from both sides and then- but doesn't that mean they're just they're they're spreading around equally and they're equally pissing people off?
1: Yeah. So anyway, um this this sales back to the Salesforce using AI to democ- Yeah, so they they have a thing and I guess you can you know type in kind of natural language questions. This is something Tableau has had for a while. Yeah. Um and it'll just I guess answer you but but I I clicked through the links and apparently there's a <coughs> I can't remember the name of it now. Um but there was a paper that Salesforce published. You know, cuz Salesforce is they're so advanced, they're publishing papers now, right? Uh, <laughs> research papers. Well they have a good they have a good AI team, I think. And only the publishing research, they inherited papers, a good AI team. But they um <laughs> they uh, uh I noticed the the three people that that were credited as authors of this, they were also their organization that they were with was Salesforce Research. I thought, oh wow, Salesforce created a research organization. So it was just the meta guys. Well, I kind of searched around and I and I did a entity search in California and and I actually don't think Salesforce Research Salesforce Research is a thing, even though they presented it as if it were a thing. Mm. Um, and the only close thing I could find is if you go to Einstein.ai slash Research, like that's kind of the research section of the Einstein blog. <laughs> um. that, that
0: doesn't seem unreasonable. <laughs> if they would have a research division focused on these no, new they, they
1: probably should. It's just I don't think they do. <laughs> I think they have people doing research, but. I don't think they have the standalone research, like because, for example, Microsoft Research, right? It's a it's a separate entity; it's its own thing. It, you know, the, but doesn't this come the, with the,
0: strings attached in terms of like reporting and all
1: that kind of stuff? So, um, so they and, and and I'm sure there's tons of great area here, but typically, like from what I know about Microsoft Research, they're basically, I mean, they are trying to come up with they're doing research into things that eventually will will funnel into you know perhaps Microsoft some Microsoft technologies, right? Mm-hmm. But they're a standalone research group and. You know, the CEO of Microsoft doesn't really is not supposed to be telling them what to do or right. what to go look at or any of that or, you know, hey, we need you we need you to work on this product now or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and that's that's really the only way you can attract the, you know, these top PhDs and things is is if it's a legit research, or re- legit research organization. And uh, I think Salesforce, you know, they they would like to <laughs> be in that club, but uh, it doesn't appear doesn't appear that's what this is. But um, not to, n- and I'm not not to say this isn't wasn't good research. I'm not even smart enough to look to that paper and I thought, wow, this is interesting. I don't understand this. Uh, maybe you know, hopefully this will get boiled down to a, a button click, so my dumb ass can actually understand what they're doing. <laughs> but right now, no, it's uh, what uh, the, uh, the Einstein for dummies paper. I actually, I actually think so. I did try to read that paper, and the thing that I think was their was the most interesting thing was they open source the model that they used to train this thing on hmm. the, the the data the yeah i guess the
0: but that and that was that was the model that they acquired
1: from metamind no no, right? no 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 this was in fact i read about that too they they f- f- downloaded some massive table some kind of crap from from wikipedia cuz wikipedia's data is all open source right mm-hmm. and then they Ran some kind of something on it, I don't know what on this data. I guess they tried to come up with questions or classify the data or something. But then they 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 basically outsourced it to the Amazon Mechanical Turk. You familiar with this? Mm -hmm. Okay, and which are people, right? right? And and so I guess the people adjusted and corrected whatever. So you have all these people that are actually you know human manually categorizing these questions or fixing these questions or whatever. And just it became this massive. Oh, I don't know if it's massive because I didn't look at the size of it. But this this data set that apparently is, um, according to Salesforce's own research organization, which doesn't exist, is the like the biggest data set of its kind. Hmm. So if that's true, then that's that's a nice contribution because other people yeah. can use that to then train their train their dragons. <laughs> How to train your dragon? You seen that? <laughs> I have. Yeah. I think we have. I think there's three of them. We watched all three. Oh, there's more than three. They're good. Well,
0: because they they created like a cartoon series on Netflix.
1: You know, speaking of that, I saw Netflix has a new cartoon out. It's something about a bus, the Magic Bus or something. It looked really cool. I'm gonna have to see if my kids like it. Yeah, apparently it's, they revived the Magic School Bus. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that a new? I didn't. I didn't even
0: wasn't even aware of it as a thing. I'm, but, only, I'm only aware of it because some people are crapping on it because it's not what they remember. And I'm like, you were like three. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I watched. It, I guess there was a trailer for it. I watched that. And it looked pretty interesting. It's it's, it's uh, it looks fun and and um, engaging, but it's also supposedly about you know kind of science and things. And yeah. I tell you what, my boys they they just so they're four and eight, right? And we we went over to our friends for Memorial Day, and they were they were swimming, and my four year old starts talking about how he when he's you know swimming through the water, he's moving all these water molecules around, and talk, he's talking about all these molecules and some kind of fluid dynamics and whatever and, mm-hmm. and t- 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 so the woman's like what did he just say? <laughs> it's like a four year old because they watch you know Mythbusters and how it's made and yeah. like all the science these science shows and everything oh in the schools too they focus a lot on science
0: they do they do, they, they do a lot more interesting experiments at this age at this young oh, elementary age than I ever yeah, did it's
1: so much better yeah of course my kids are on, also in a much better school district than, than I was yeah, at their age too. but still it's pretty amazing well,
0: my daughter has her own iPad at school. I mean, <laughs> one yeah. of the, one of the, they took a day to set it up and take pictures of themselves so they can make it the home screen so everyone knew which ones was their iPad. It's just, it's just incredible. Yep.
1: Uh, so anyway, so I actually downloaded this, um, their GitHub project, and I've got it running. And so I thought we'd plug a few examples in. Um, is oh, this so this is, this
0: is based on that data set? Yeah. Um, and we're supposed to be able to ask it just any question? That we can think of?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna type in um who is the best developer in this office? Let's see what it says. I okay, can't hit enter. Jeremy is the best developer in the world. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well what about John? Is is John a good developer? John is okay. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I find this video to be highly suspect. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's it's
0: mechanical torque. What do you expect? <laughs> All right, let's do some op- on the cuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is Benioff's favorite word? Amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. How does the
1: Good Day Sir show end? I would say, how does the Good Day sh- Sir show end? And to that, I say, good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to clip that <clears throat> magic. Yep. the magic of technology. Anyway, well, John, uh, what topics do you have? Do you want to talk about what you've been doing for the past week, or uh, you've been you you're you're, dying? You're getting uh, you're you're recovering from a near-death experience.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's it's funny because last last week we talked about you know because we had that question from the community about being a single developer and you know how to balance everything out and i did not heed my own advice i did not do a good job at balancing um so on top of just running myself ragged no sleep lots of stress i got sick somehow cold or something or or it might have started with allergies cuz allergies were really bad that week too and maybe that compounded into some kind of infection but yeah it, it really took me out by the time the weekend happened and i was able to just let myself rest i was i just wanted to die it was so bad wow um and even even like on Monday, when I started to feel a little bit better, I made the mistake of getting up and out and trying to spend time with the family, and that just turned out to be a bad decision.
1: Well, I'm glad you are uh, you're recovering. That's good. I'm I'm alive. I'm lost. So you haven't out. worked much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't done much work. I'm I'm behind in a bunch of stuff, trying to catch up. You know, making my excuses
1: to everyone in the world. <laughs> Man, I, I've already I I don't know. I'm trying to make September a good month, but I started out. Yes, uh, was yesterday. Um, what? Well, uh, two two issues. One was what ended up being a bug and now it's been confirmed. I've confirmed this with a Salesforce employee but a, a metadata API bug that is one of those things that you know, like you, you're trying to figure out like am I doing something wrong here? What's going on? And, oh, it's always you, Jeremy. Well, you know, the funny thing is is it usually is, right? Yeah. Anytime any developer says oh, man, there's, got, there's a bug in the... It comp- must be a bug in the compiler, you know, or whatever. It's like <laughs> 99.9% of the time, it's just you've done something wrong and you don't understand it. Um, So I'm trying to, you know, work through and figure out what it was, and it turns out it, it actually is a bug. Um, I just couldn't produce... I couldn't get... I didn't log it as a case because I couldn't get a good test case for it because I wasn't deploying an entire org, and I couldn't... I didn't have a good way to just try to pare it down to the things that... I thought might have been causing it because that, when I did that, I didn't, I wasn't getting the bug. So anyway, but apparently some other customers have, were able to get a good test case for it. So that's, that's good news. And then yesterday and today I've been dealing with this God awful CS 52 sandbox that they just need to put it out of its misery or just port it over. You know, when they can do a site switch, site switch that thing over to something else, or I don't know what's wrong with it. But I looked back, and this is the one I've been—I had trouble with two or three months ago. It's the same thing. I'm getting compiles that take minutes to compile, like one Apex class, or to run a simple, simple single test. It takes over a minute, just in. Like, I think I think it's sitting in pending for that um, for almost all that time. The mm. actual test I don't think takes long, but the job sits in pending forever, and it's just I just can't get anything done. Yesterday I just. Stopped and started drinking beer instead. I'm like, I can't get anything done today. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> this is a not not a good start to my September. I don't know how I'm supposed to they expect me to make any money, yeah, <laughs> or get anything done. But uh, yeah, that, that's they've got to fix this. Just huge variation, and that's that's why that's, it's so Maybe Salesforce's that's... scaling model is so weird. It's like they don't scale. They just once once performance gets bad enough. They just create a new pod and move, start moving people over to that. It's like, oh, this one really sucks. We can't, you know, it's just bad. Let's start moving people over to a new one. It's like, and now they've got, you know, a hun- over a hundred different pods. It's like, let's get a better scaling model. One that, like, people can throw big jobs at it and it doesn't bring the pod down. Let's get away from this cable modem model of enterprise computing where, you know, you get a few people that are hogging it and it just, it, it, infects, it affects everyone else. Let, yeah, Let's go to actual cloud computing.
0: Isn't that what they're trying to do with Amazon
1: or is that just basically? It? I don't know. I'm afraid they're just going to lift and shift onto Amazon. And yeah. It's going to be the same. It's going to be the same architecture. Well, how can they not lift and shift? I mean, I don't know. There's still, They're still some money. I'm not the one parts. who
0: gets paid millions of dollars to do this.
1: There's other you're people. Not, you're
0: do. not worth $4 billion to make this
1: decision. <laughs> where, where do you get $4 billion from? Is, that, no, is that, that what it's worth? That's what Benioff's worth right now. Oh. Well, he can't do it either. So he gets to make the decision, though. He can decide all he wants. I mean, <laughs> that's the case. You'd think he would just decide to fix performance problems. Yeah, it, it always seems easier to just to make
0: the decision than to actually make it happen. That's the world we live in—is actually making things happen.
1: It's just like you know. I guess I guess this is one of those things you take the good with the bad. I mean, you—I I don't know. It's it very at difficult. Le- at least
0: at this at least at this point in time, it's encouraging that there's so many moving parts happening. That there's there's at least something going on it's not stagnating it's not it's not sitting still you know we've got all the new stuff going on with lightning we have all the new stuff going on with with dx and and
1: which neither of which have
0: i've really been to benefit i've been able to benefit from yet true but i mean it's i tell
1: you what i have been. it's it's, it's, it's a slow process that at least has started i mean we're not five years from now it's just but they you know if they're going to keep doubling down on proprietary though they're not going to get out of this they've created their own problems by by having this not invented here attitude and having to create their own programming language, their own database abstractions, their own query languages, their own markup languages, their own front-end UI, their own JavaScript frameworks, their own everything. I mean, they're creating their own problems. They don't have the engineering capability, nor can they buy it to dig themselves out of this hole. They keep, you know, every time they've got two guys in this hole and one guy digs a shovel of dirt out and there's another guy up top dumping another shovel back in. It's like, You've got to they've got to quit doubling down on proprietary. Yeah,
0: I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I can give them a pass for, for the technology as it exists. I mean they're maintaining their the, own
1: programming language, John. I, I think at the time it was it was the, And they, what do we have? Look at the programming language we have. Because as a result of that. Oh. It's been stagnant for
0: since they announced it. So, so what is what is the ideal model? Is the ideal model like a, a Heroku By model? By the way, if
1: you want a good laugh, go read their press release when they announced Apex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world's first dynamic on-demand programming language. Like, whatever. <laughs> you can, <laughs> just can break. Uh, hey, who knows? Ten years from now, you'll be like, it'll be the language of choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you hold your breath for that one, John? See how that works out for you. That's okay. Anyway. Well, okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to pull topics out of you here, John. You haven't been working on anything. No, I
0: mean, I have some stuff from from last week that I can get to that I want okay. to get your just opinion trying to on. I'm not figuring if we're going to do a show here or not. I, I, I want to get your opinion on this uh did you see the uh Skype offering live uh coding interviews now?
1: I did see that. Or so that's some kind of that real-time editor it, a text or, editor that, or something or, Yeah, I yeah. think so. I don't what
0: do you think about that type of situation? That, I mean, I'm already For me, it's it's odd because I'm already in a high stress situation trying to put myself out there and and you know try to answer everything as best I can. But then now I have to live code in front of somebody, and I guess it depends on who's administering that live code. Hopefully, it's not some recruiter who's removed from the development tools. I mean, I've
1: already I've done live coding interviews, um, so well the the closest I got to
0: I guess live coding is they stuck me in a room in front of a computer and had me code some stuff. And then I sat in another room while they evaluated okay. it, and then I came back to a yeah. panel, I guess, is the best way to yeah, discuss it, that's of, weird. of people. And they would ask me different questions about the decisions I made and why I did it this way and why I did it that way and that kind of stuff. I mean, that was the closest I got to some kind of live programming interview.
1: Well, so I guess, first of all, there's been, I've noticed just in the, um, I don't know if this is, like in just the general t- t- Twitter Twitter sphere, the developers or whatever, but a lot of a lot of backlash against... The, uh, against the coding interviews. And I guess people have done some kind of, I guess, studying studies on these and just mm-hmm. show that it doesn't, it, you don't end up with the best candidates. Of course it's, you know, it favors old white men. I'm sure um, that <laughs> kind of thing. <clears throat> but I mean, I can, I, and I can see some of these arguments to how it's not good. Cause first of all, I mean, a lot of people just aren't, I mean like really smart people, like maybe perhaps some of your best candidates just aren't going to do well on a live coding interview it's just not a situation. It's not, You're not setting you're not putting them in a comfortable situation. Like most of us, I mean, I don't know about you, but like for me to get good work done, I have to be comfortable. It has to be quiet. I've got to have like my setup the way I want it. I can't have distractions. Um, I can't, you know, a, a live coding interview is, pr- pr- you know, I don't know. Well,
0: I, think, the, I think for uh, me, one of the problems with, with me and in, in all the different languages that I play around with is that I get really easily confused. Like I, one 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 week, I'm really focused on JavaScript. Another week, I'm focused on Apex. Another week, I'm focused on on C Sharp. And the problem with that is I, I don't really have time to memorize every little thing about everyone, every language. So every time I switch to one of the different ones, I find myself trying to do a four with a colon in it instead of a four each. Or I'm trying to do some kind of, I'm trying to do a string in JavaScript instead of a var and, and those kind of things. So, you know, the and and also, even even with Apex, I've been doing Apex for, God, since it came out. Uh, I, I've been doing Apex. <laughs> I'm that old school. And I don't remember every little thing. I still keep the docs open. I still Google a doc or a class method just to see what's in there, just because I have, don't have it memorized. You don't have the entire uh, Connect API memorized. Yeah, and so I wonder if some of these these kind of live interviews, uh, they penalize you for that. And I'm not sure. I've never done one <clears throat> of these live interviews. So I'm not well. sure if if it penalizes you for you know looking up docs or looking up you know, method names or, or those kind of things. I
1: don't, if so, that's a really bad interview. The the ones I've seen, like the, the last one I did, they basically just like opened, a, I can't remember which one we used. We used some kind of web-based collaborative text editor, which by the way, worked great. I mean, I don't know why, and there's like 10 of these in the Screen Hero and there's there's ones that just, rec- just are n- totally native web stuff that I don't know why Skype would, Create, well, I, I it's I Microsoft. I mean, I they, guess because they, they, they probably know.
0: had something internally that they that they wrote, that they used to, to interview candidates, and they probably well, just course, decided is, to make this a is,
1: product. That's coming from the company that has some of the worst, you know, HR practices known to in business. They're uh, remember their stank still, stank I mean, racking. Remember the stank <laughs> racking, ranking <laughs> stank ranking. <laughs> yeah, uh, but still, I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't know. I feel like we're in the era of a new Microsoft. Well, maybe, here. but I you know I don't know. I haven't talked to anyone at Microsoft to know well, whether they're getting better.
0: I think. Plus, the other thing is that we're. More and more remote is, is acceptable. More and more remote is almost preferred in a well, lot situations. We didn't even
1: finish what I was saying. What I was saying was that last time, the last interview I did where there was live coding, I got to pick the language I wanted to use and there was no APIs whatsoever. And it was just basically like, I don't remember what the problem was, but it was just like, okay, so here's what, you know, here's the coding challenge. um, And, and it had nothing to do with, you know, call any libraries or APIs or anything. And they were just mm-hmm. like, you know, what, what language, you know, whatever language you want to use is fine. That, big, that
0: that doesn't seem like a bad approach. I, big I mean, Java that.
1: might have been JavaScript. I don't even remember, but um, yeah, it was it was actually good, and I was I don't know. I still though I was it was it's still nerve wracking though. So I guess my my real question is, is what can
0: you learn from watching someone code? is it the aspect of watching them code because this is a live
1: picture? That's, that's a good question. Like, actually, wa- do you really need to actually watch them? Does it matter? Like, how many times I hit backspace? Or, you know, I don't know. I think some people are looking for superficial things like, you know, how good your vim foo is. You know, how how much <laughs> how many times you actually have to t- touch the mouse to do something. You know, they're looking for, maybe they're overly obsessed with, you know, your, your text editor skills or something versus, you know, at the end of a... Sp- of a, of a sprint or something like how good is the code that you committed how good of a you know how good of a code reviewer are you? how good of a team member are you well, you know what are you like, producing what are you producing
0: yeah, and, and that, that that gets into another point I wanted to make about that is that you know for me, and when I talk about good code or 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 clean code, that first iteration of your code is not clean it's just getting there it's getting the test to pass and then you go in and refactor it and you 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 do that that quality of life on it you do that that stuff that makes it maintainable you refactor and you refactor and you refactor until you have something that's that's you know workable and clean yeah and and so like this live coding situation doesn't seem to 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 allow for that so you end up with some you you could end up with your your crappy first draft code and that's what they're going to judge you on
1: well of course I mean, I hopefully they're dressing they're they're judging your crappy first draft code against everyone else's crappy first draft code. Yeah, that's true. But that's still, point. I still think it's you're gonna. The problem with that is you'll you'll still weed out people that will actually be good producers, but they just it's the, that nerve wracking situation is not something they excel at. I, I'm I'm probably one
0: that would fail at that. I probably would too. I, I think for me, I, I tend to try to. I would try to, I try to put myself in them and going, well, what do they want? So let me try to do that right. instead of just doing my thing. In a lot of situations where I'm faced with trying to do something, I try to, I'm I'm always in this position where I feel like I got to try to do what they're expecting me to do. Right. Um. And so, I don't know. But there are times where I did something where they weren't expecting me to do it. And it caused all these follow-up questions that just made me feel like I was on the defensive of why I made the decisions I made. And I don't... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just the pressure of the situation of doing that type of interviewing or, or things like that. But, I mean, I, a lot of times I just kind of default to what's the best way to do something, the best way that it performs well for users. Uh, for instance, I did one coding challenge for, uh, um, so I won't say the name, because um, I ultimately decided not to, but... <laughs> for an interview? For an interview, okay. yeah. And it was, it was a coding challenge, but there was there was this kind of like client-side component to it where I had to reach out to another API and a, a reach around? It, well, it API wasn't a reach around. It wasn't, wasn't a reach okay. around. It was to another service okay. to get some some data. And uh, I decided not to do it in Apex. I could have done it in Apex. I could have done all the remoting calls and 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 you know done an Apex code and remoted that and then got the data back and tried to render that. And I was like, well, there's no need to. The API is right here. I'll just call the API, get the results and chunk it back in. And that became like this. This world of discussion of why I didn't do it in Apex and why I do. It's like because it performs better when you type it in and you go and the message comes back. I'm not waiting for Salesforce a Salesforce post request to Salesforce and then that post to go to the server and then come back and then try to translate that information, encapsulate it, and bring it all the way back. It's and, just,
1: and that sounds like a good answer. So if you're able to explain yourself,
0: I, I think so. But I think they designed the exercise to try to test how you do a how you do callouts within Apex, and they just picked this public service because it was. Already there, and anyone could connect to it, and so I think they they designed the test around that, thinking that people would go in and code Apex callouts. And I was like, well, there was no reason for me to. I mean, I can. You want me? I can wire that up here in a (laughs) bit. If you give me another day to do that, but I was like, it didn't seem it wasn't warranted. The performance would be crappy. Yeah. And so you know, there, there there are situations like that where I think you know they design a test with a very specific. Intent, or they they expect you to do it a certain way, and when you deviate from that, it it just raises all these flags to them. And I ended up like really on my heels trying to defend my decisions. I, I felt like I think a a good, a
1: good interviewer is looking for not necessarily the right answer, but they're looking because again on on an interview in a high pressure situation that's. You know, hopefully, they're giving you a problem that's it's they should be giving you a problem that's a hard to find the right answer. That's kind of the goal, right? I mean, but also they're looking for not necessarily did you get the right answer. That's like some of you know how oh, is it Google or Microsoft that, that they ask you a question a question that's impossible to know the answer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but when you answer it, they want to they want to hear how you came up with the answer. So they want to know how you thought through something, which kind of goes back to the watching your live code. Maybe they want to see how you got the the answer you got to. Yeah. Know. Maybe. But I remember um I you know, this this live coding interview I did. Um, you know, they're looking I mean, there's all kinds of ways to solve this problem. You could have just written one, you know, super long function. You could have uh you know, written a lot of just I don't know, I guess, you know, broken up into several functions. You could have broken up into objects and made it object-oriented. I guess it depends on, you know, what language you chose or whatever. And they're, I think they're looking for just how you designed the solution to that problem, given the language that you were in or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. or did you did you use the facilities of the language well? Did you break it up in a way that, like, mentally is, is well-factored? Like, something in, into, um, you know, like, what's it, what, um, you know, like, I guess I Modulized kinda, or something, yeah, like it. we're and where each module, whether it's a function or a class, or whatever you know is is cohesive and kind of conforms to the single uh, responsibility principle, that kind of yeah. thing. but I mean, that's kind of tough to expect, I think, from an interview because uh,
0: again, I go back to my my clean code methodology and that that requires some refactoring. that requires a lot of time and effort. so and I don't know, maybe maybe that's part of it. maybe if if someone gave me a coding exercise and they they said, okay. Here's the exercise. Your interviews on Thursday. It's Monday, let's say, and, and your interviews on Thursday. So that means I have three days to work on this. And I don't know. I guess it depends on how badly you want the job. But to me, that's like that's a lot of time invested in coding and refactoring to try to prove my worth. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I'm describing that way. It seems like I should be willing to do that if I really want that job. But at the same time, I'm like,
1: that's a significant
0: investment of my time and effort invested in this exercise
1: well that's that's a whole other thing I've, I've noticed that's happening And i think this has been going on a long time it's nothing new but you know you go you apply for a job and they want to you know you they want you to show up for five different interviews oh, yeah, you've got the, over, the the HR cu- over the course interview. of over the course of like four months yeah and each of them they want you to spend a, a half a day or a day with different panels of people and sitting with people and it's like oh. and then at the end like you know i mean you've got only a certain percentage of even getting a chance of getting an offer it's, yeah. it's like, this is ridiculous. I think that was my fear when I, when I
0: did some of these exercises was that if I spend too much time, I, I've already spent like a, if I had to factor out, I'd probably spend 10 or 12 hours on 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 a solution. I'm like, well, that's 10 or 12 hours of my
1: personal time that I gave up. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I don't have to interview much ever. So. Yeah. But I, you know, it's just again the live coding is. Uh, I don't think it's a good way to test. I think I, I think the take home exercise is a better way. The problem with that, I, I think the the thing that people think is a problem is that maybe you get someone to help you with it. That's the problem with that. Yeah. Way. But there's also been but a that, lot of that, backlash against. That can against, be evident
0: on the first day of hire, though
1: right? <laughs> well, that's the, the idea is to figure out before you've hired someone that you've hired the wrong, that you, that you got the wrong person. I guess. Now, <laughs> I was going to say that there's not, I've also seen a, some, this big backlash against this whole idea of a GitHub as your resume, which I guess I, I kind of like just because I don't have very much in GitHub. I don't do a lot of public coding. <laughs> I don't have time for that. And, and a lot of the coding I do, I can't share. It's just one of those things. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't, you're selfish. Just admit it. I, yeah, exactly. You're freaking selfish. Yeah. Sorry. Instead of I, you know what, that's what I'm. I'm going to start doing instead of actually going home and spending an, an, a a paltry thirty to sixty minutes with my kids before they go to bed. I'm going to I'm <laughs> going to do some coding and put it on GitHub.
0: You know, I realized that the other day is I used to do so much blogging and I used to be so involved in the community and a lot of it had to do with just the fact that I I had a nine to five. You know, I had a regular job. I was salaried and you know, free time is easy to come up with. Even even with having kids. But once yep. once I once I went independent and had to had to fight for every dollar or, you know, if, if there wasn't a dollar available, I had to go out and try to find it. I mean, that's that takes up a lot of your time. It's yeah. it's tough
1: when you when you're not a salary. Yep. No, it is it changes the whole situation on how you have to run things. Yeah. Um <clears throat> this, uh, I think this was related to this bug I had where I was trying to deploy this, you know, giant code base into a sandbox. And one of, the, one of the solutions I got from someone was, hey, you know, you should be using a scratch org. Just just start with a blank scratch org and, and then you won't have this problem. Because the, the problem Wait I was... What, how are you... Define scratch org. The, the DX, scratch yeah, org? Yeah, yeah, no, DX scratch org? Yeah, yeah, DX scratch org. Okay. Um, of course, there were multiple problems with that. The first, the most important one being that the sandbox I'm deploying to is is our full sandbox. Yeah. And it's got all this data right. that I've got to have. Yep. <clears throat> Um, but also, I mean, i just thinking fundamentally, like, the reason, one of the reasons I'm not using Scratchworks for this is because, I mean, DX does nothing to help me get all my metadata. I mean, if I'm going to use a Scratchwork, I still at least want to get yeah. all my metadata into it. Um, and DX, as far again, as far as I can tell, I mean, someone correct me. No one's corrected me yet out of the thousand whatever people that listen to this podcast and everyone else that I've tweeted or whatever, like, no one has corrected me on this. DX does not help me get my metadata. Okay, so first of all, there's, in fact, no Salesforce tool. There's no Salesforce tool I know of that can get you, that you can say, pull all metadata, you know, SFDX, pull colon all colon metadata colon please, you know, the super long commands that SFDX has. if it could, it would crash. It, it, the, the metadata is
0: extremely wordy, bloated. I don't know what you, what word you want to use, but anyway, it's so
1: so you have to get the metadata on your own, basically. And then, and again, that's not necessarily an easy task. Um, but then also, you know, the, I mean, just look at the metadata docs. There's still they, and I'm glad they maintain this. The metadata people, the, like a list of like 50 things that metadata still doesn't cover, and now yeah. they. Yeah, you know, and I'm just making that. I don't know what the number is. Maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 100. I don't know. But they and they and I know they they constantly are working at whittling that list down. But it's still big. And then there's still things like, well, some which things use IDs? No, some things use some kind of like name reference. Oh, that's and, bugs. You're talking about bugs in metadata API. That's a whole other thing. Right? Well, no, that's is it a problem. bug that something references an ID? It is a bug. Yeah, it's that's a bug. And every time so if I, come, I go to a
0: workflow and say when this user when user owner equals this user, and it puts the ID in the workflow, that's a bug
1: if you specified a user by username yeah. and you end up with a an ID, like the thing I see in in um, in metadata is, I'll, and I'm just making, using an example, I'm not even sure this is one of the, but like, let's say you have a list view, right? Which is represented in metadata mm-hmm. and it's filtering on where some field equals some value, right? Well, it'll put the field in there as um, as the field ID, the 00 in zero, blah, 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 like the ID for the field. Well, that obviously is not going to work when I go deploy this right. to another org because it's going to create that in field Right. if it doesn't exist newly and it's going to get a completely different ID right so that and anytime I come up and run across us, they always want to know about it but I'm like I run across it all the time what do you mean you want me to what do you mean you want me to tell you I mean <laughs> it's obviously just like this huge bug that's still there
0: you misunderstand it Jeremy they really like you and they want to hang out with you <laughs>
1: yeah they just want to hear from you but no but here's here's another thing that, and again I mean because you know there, there's the, the the notion of your test environment should be as much like production as possible yeah, right. Or at least the closer you get to like a release, you know, when you're like, for example, your sandbox or whatever it is, your, your QA sandbox, or your final, you know, your acceptance sandbox or whatever it is. Well, a lot of that depends on the degree control you have over that environment. I'm, I'm just saying, that, at very least, the the meta, the, I, the config, and everything I should be the just, same. I'm just talking in general at a high level. Like you want, you always want your test environments to be as close to production as possible, so that you minimize the the variables between production and sandbox, so that when you do get a a successful test against sandbox. You're pretty confident that you can now take that and put it in production and you're going to be good because they're so the environments are so close. Of course, they're never perfectly, they're never exactly in any I don't care whether you're using Amazon or Salesforce or Microsoft. Production environment is never exactly the same as San, usually as your test environment. But one big thing with Salesforce is, you know, there's this idea of these critical updates mm-hmm. which are kind of like org settings in a way except to my knowledge, although DX does let you specify certain org settings, like just this massive list of critical updates. Which ones are applied? Which ones aren't? I don't mm-hmm. think it does. So, so I okay. So I've got you want me to test in a sandbox that has like a way different set of critical updates applied than what my production org does. I mean, that can absolutely break things. Yeah. And so there's just there's there's a lot of details here that people are just wanting to like brush under the rug. Well, it's the and 80/20, pretend they don't it's exist. The eighty twenty rule, isn't it? Yeah, except it's the twenty that gets that kicks your ass. Well, maybe you're just one of the upper one percent, the upper twenty percent. No, no. <laughs> it's just that you know, I'm I'm the guy who wants to go home with the weekend, and spend time with my family. I don't yeah. I don't want to be working all weekend trying to figure out why some or have my org down because we got halfway through a we have a failed deployment or something.
0: Yeah, but Jeremy, people aren't asking for this.
1: No, people are asking for it. That's the thing.
0: (laughs) That's my troll on you. Yeah. That was your response. Yeah. uh, Given. Anyway.
1: So, yeah, DX, I I don't know. What's your status with DX right now, John? I haven't touched it.
0: I I, I want to invest time into it, but at the same time, everything I see and hear about it is is all I can do is set up an org, set up the feature set, and then test against that feature set. And being a non-ISV at this point in time, I... I don't have a use for that here. I got another what question. What I need is, is a, is a solid reproduction of my production org that I can test against.
1: I got another one for you. So, okay. So this, this person was suggesting me, you know, you scratchers, you scratch, scratch orgs. So then you can, then you can get your giant wad of metadata in more easily. <clears throat> Cause it's, you're starting from a plain vanilla org, right? Mm. Um, well, the thing is, and I don't know how you work, but a lot of times the way I work is I'll get a sandbox set up, and I'll I'll and not a full sandbox because we usually only have one if we have one, right? And that's used for like the final test. I, the sandbox I'm working in is like more of a developer sandbox, yeah. right? So I don't have all the data. So what I'll do is over time I'll create all this good test data. I've got my my fake accounts, my fake opportunities, my fake contacts, and and that's test data set up. Well, guess what happens after seven days of you know you creating your scratch org. <laughs> It 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 self destructs. Well, that's what I wondered because I didn't think those things were were permanent. Well, now you can you know you can now opt to increase that to thirty, but still, I mean, I work with. I don't want my. I mean, I've got orgs, sandboxes, I've been working in for multiple years. I've got this all this great test data that I there's and and I I know there's ways that you can you can convert that to CSV and you can get your your DX can help you load that data mm-hmm. in, but like that's just something. That's just why my why don't I want to create all that extra? I like my sandbox, <laughs> but now that's not the same. Shouldn't be the purpose of a scratch org, though, right? You, I mean, well, to the me, purpose I, of a scratch org is not. You're right. It's not to work in. It's right. to test your deployment to, and then maybe run some tests it in and then for, shut it down.
0: For me, it should exist for a moment of time. You should have all right. the, the 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 scripting and everything right. set. It runs. It does the test, and then it it disappears. So, yeah. So
1: it's it's scratch orgs are. And I don't think anyone from Salesforce would argue this, but they're orthogonal to sandbox orgs. They're different things used for a different purpose. Right. I still need my sandbox, and I still need to deploy my me- my metadata to my sandbox. Yes. So I'm. So don't tell me just oh just use a scratch org. Okay, I will. <laughs> but I still have this problem if I need to get it in my sand. I need to get this metadata into my sandbox, and all these metadata bugs make it hard to do that. Yeah, And then, by the way, if I do get it in my sandbox and we f- get into our full sandbox and we're able to test everything, then i got to get into production, right? And that's not a scratch org either. <laughs> uh. John, uh, Microsoft is giving us three more months to upgrade from Windows 10 S to Pro for free. What does this mean? I have no <laughs> that's idea. my no to you. <laughs> I'm like, no, I this has been like popping up all over my news. This is a big deal, I guess. I think what I have. What is Windows 10 S? What is S? I don't know. Do I have? I think I have Pro. Am I supposed to upgrade to S? No, no, no. You're, they're letting you upgrade from, I don't know, Windows 10 S to Pro. See, so this goes to show you how little I know about modern day Windows. Because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I don't know. Windows upgrade. I haven't been following it. Surface laptop owners can still upgrade Windows 10 S to Windows 10 Pro for free lifehacker. Oh, so was
0: it was the S like a surface like, version yeah, oh, of it? A
1: special build. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. Surface is powerful enough." I don't know.
1: Well, uh what else you got, John? Well, I know we,
0: we're going to Keep it short and try to end it soon. I was going to go through some highlights from Winter 18 since we,
1: oh, good. we did say we were going to talk about that. I tried. I, I don't know. i read right through the release notes. So well, I, I kind of jumped I jumped right to kind of Apex and things. And yeah, I'm I was going to yeah, say, yeah, you know, any, yeah. anytime I read the, the, the release notes are way
0: too big now. No one can read the entire thing and understand everything. And if they say they do, they have no life, first
1: of all, or two, they're lying. You're because, talking about people who have like hundreds of badges and, uh, and like 19 certifications, John. <laughs> yes. okay? I think having a life is already uh, a. <laughs> out of the question that's true Uh, so so for me I just kind of skim it and look for things that resonate with
0: me you know I'll look for something that's like oh that was an issue for me before that's great I got this is fixed now or this new thing has come out Um, I think one of the highlights the one that drew me most in was the uh, we're now going to get a lightning theme it'll be beta
1: a lightning theme for visual force (laughs) pages that'll be interesting I wonder what that'll look like I mean just uh, blue and white and gray and bubbly I guess yeah, I mean you'll get the
0: the new fonts, and you'll get the uh, the the components will get styled. Not not all components, apparently, but but most of them will okay. get styled a certain way.
1: So, okay, so this solves the problem of um, you've already converted to Lex, right? Lightning Experience, but you still, of course, have all these Visual Force pages, right? Right, and they look like Windows Classic or Windows yeah. Windows no Salesforce Classic. Sorry, yeah, it's a different <laughs> Coke <Coat> Classic, which <laughs> is like thrown out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I yeah that makes sense. I understand that. I don't have any. I don't have still have I don't, you know large and small. Well, I shouldn't say that. And a couple of small orcs I worked with that are on Lightning ostensibly, although people keep switching to Classic.
0: Yeah, I, I see a lot of back and forth switching when it comes to that, but I don't know. For the most part, the the trend is moving more towards Lightning, which is at least encouraging because there there is
1: there is some good things about
0: Lightning that I really like and I prefer.
1: I've also seen seen some people talking about. Uh just doing I guess L, uh, the Lightning Design System. And um Yeah, I wouldn't go that route. Really?
0: Yeah. The 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 the, the markup for the lightning design system changes way too much year over year. Uh I, I and that's another thing you gotta watch out for because your your version, so if you do the Apex SLDS tag on your Visual Force page to get the lightning theme. That's based on your version. So whatever version of the API you're on, that's the version of the SLDS that it's going to grab and put in there. And that's important to note because as they Im- modify the markup or add new components and things like that and change the markup for those components, you got to make sure you're using the right version of the markup. In fact, on the Lightning Design System site, you can now see different versions of those components. So now that's got its own version, anything you have to be aware of, and you have to make sure you're either on the most current one or you're modifying something and, and bringing in new components in with that version in mind because the markup can potentially be different, which means that your styling will be applied differently. You right. might get some quirks and things on the layout. Yeah. Or some components might not be there because they're new components and they belong to a certain version of the design system.
1: This, wait a minute. Does Lightning Design this System get you components? or is it, I thought it was just CSS. That well, you it can does, apply to CSS your own markup.
0: applies to... Well, but it expects no. a certain markup, right? It's a it's a I guess I want to call it more of a framework because there, there is a certain amount of just CSS styling that applies to fonts and text and things yeah. like that, but there're also components attached to it. What do you mean? What kind of components? Well, like an input component, a rich text component, a, a Kanban component or so it's generating markup for me. It's generating components? It doesn't generate markup for you. It's just when you go to the site, it gives you sample markup of how this is the markup for this component and you can copy that and paste it into your page. And, Those aren't know, components. That's
1: just like if you want to style your input, here's well, here's how you need to no. have your markup for your input. No. Some of its entire
0: component screens. It could be like like the Kanban well, or the
1: uh with the way activity view. You're display. using the term component pretty loosely here. It's not. No, I'm not. I mean, it's certainly not a web component. What's a web component to you? Well, are you familiar with uh, the web component spec or the Google's? Um, well, within that,
0: you have a defined markup that represents that component, and then you reuse that component everywhere else. It's the same difference. There's a defined markup for the Lightning design system, and you reuse that markup everywhere else.
1: And the Lightning design system applies the styling to that markup. Well, with, but in a proper web component system, I can just say, hey, here's a tag for this certain web component. Do your thing. And it generate it actually generates all the markup and, and, and there, everything. And there is that
0: in Lightning as well.
1: You have I'm that. not talking about Lightning. I'm talking about LDS.
0: And if we're talking the LDS pure LDS, so it generates. Mar- it generates. There's if markup. you want to use the the markup. If you want to use the styling for a certain component, mm-hmm. then you have to use that markup.
1: That's different. That's different. That's fine. But I have to. I am. I have to produce the right markup. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I just don't consider that a component. But, get but, to that, that, that. but that's
0: what you have to do if you're going to do Lightning and Visual Force. At least previously. Until now. Okay. Now we've got the this this new theming technology that will kind of convert and make it look like lightning so now your pages will look like lightning and they'll exist within lightning and it'll look more cohesive
1: with everything else wow <laughs> i wonder if that made it in the <laughs> i don't <know. laughs> a lot of sneeze yeah um
0: so i don't know i mean that's encouraging i mean that 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 at least it's not perfect and it's it's of course beta so understand that. Well,
1: okay, let me let me go back to your thing, your problem with the, the LDS always changing Un, you know, you're making it sound like you're building on shifting sands kind of in a way. Well, but you when you when you build against LDS, you not get to say, hey, I'm building I'm referencing LDS, you know, slash V one oh one point two point seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that and right? And so you're always No. No. <laughs> well, as far as I can tell,
0: the, the Apex S L D S tag. That you can use in Visual Force, right? Does not let you
1: specify a version. See, that is a that's a big problem. I, I, maybe, I'm, I'm that's hard for me to imagine because Salesforce is, you know, they're, they're they're such a version preserving company. Yeah, know. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no. It's the two things
0: are ID and rendered. <laughs> wow. So there's no way to specify a a ref
1: a I just version. Don't, that's, so that's not even tenable. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, as soon as you Deploy something three weeks later, it's gonna be broken. Well, I I just think it's a gap. I think I think eventually they may
0: add a versioning system, or they might just be saying, you know what, this is a this is a band-aid, and whenever you finally get your stuff into lightning, do it. But this is a band-aid. And these hmm. are your trade offs. To me, that's not the message that they want LDS to have. I, I'm I'm guessing. I'm not, I'm not don't quote me on that. Yeah. I'm just saying Mm. Today you you apply the Apex SLDS tag and that that'll that'll bring in the, the SLDS framework for you. The alternative is creating a, a static resource and maintaining that. So you could do that. You could download the, the all the tags and everything. I'm sorry, you can download the zip package from the SLDS site and include that in your in your stuff as, as a resource. Now that resource is pretty big, um, but you could do that. You can put that into your org and you could reference that as a static resource. so you can do that. If you really want to control that versioning. Um, otherwise, if you use the SLDS tag, just know that the versioning is applied based on what version of the, your Visual Force page is. And if you try to upgrade that, you might get some quirks. And if you see those quirks, then try to go look at the markup and see what the differences are, because yeah. that's, that's where the problem's going to be.
1: I was looking at this. I haven't used LDS. Why, why would you use LDS? Why? Yeah. To make your Visual pa- Force pages look like lightning. But I thought they had this new thing that just automatically makes your Visual Force look like lightning.
0: This is a beta feature coming out in Winter eighteen. So, uh, so prior- once,
1: once that's out, then what's still? Then what's the reason of existence for uh, for LDS? So
0: there are some some. I'm gonna I'm gonna use air quotes here for your purposes. <laughs> some components that aren't aren't available available in Visual Force, like the activity timeline that shows activities in a certain timeline format, or the kanban. Well,
1: path I, so I think your- the answer is if you're not using Visual Force. And you still want it to look like, lightning. let's say you're, you've got an uh, you know an Angular or a, a React app or something, right? and control your own markup, but you want it to, to look like Lightning. To me, that's what LDS is for.
0: Uh, that could be. I mean, and, and, and you've had to what, but that's right? that's within a con- that's within a container of Visual Force, and yes, you could do that. But oh, this but.
1: this um, what's wrong? <laughs> no, you can't. I have. Well, to. we'll have to. We'll just wrap up here. Then All right. I was going to say. Then um, we'll wrap up with this Visual Force. Uh, you know, it's its own beast of a markup, right? The, the markup it generates is just, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Yeah. But this thing that they they're putting in beta, it'll take that visual force markup, which generally you don't even want to look at because it's it's a mess. Um, and it, it makes it look like lightning. Yeah, But, but it, that that's a style sheet or a style system that's just targeted towards yes. existing visual force markup. Right. Yeah. So
0: you you're don't, not gonna
1: you're not gonna get any new light,
0: lightning specific uh, right. components or layouts or anything like that. It's just gonna Restyle some of the existing components to look l- like Lightning. Yeah, it'll use the font, it'll use the color scheme, it'll use
1: those kind of things.
0: So,
1: yeah. oh. and once is, again, another episode of where John and Jeremy talk about stuff they really don't know that much about. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But that's a new thing. It's a new beta. It thing. is, new, and, yeah.
0: I mean, it, it it can be valuable for someone that just wants their stuff to look like Lightning and be in Lightning, and so it's less intrusive for the dev- for the users that they're jumping to back to Classic. And and also what happens. I have to test this in winter 18, but I'm hoping that everything stays within classic, meaning once you have that theme, it stays and looks like class, like lightning. Because a lot of times you get jumped out and pushed out into this kind of realm of you're back in classic and now you have to find your way back. Yeah. Um, So I'm hoping it solves for that, but I haven't, I haven't seen it to test it. So.
1: I also like when you go to a, you know, there's certain pages you can go to or certain screens in Salesforce classic where it changes the font of all your tabs of all the Salesforce tabs. Yeah, it's always fun. I've run into that <laughs> quite a bit. It's uh, great. Ah, CSS. It's 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 hard, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, John. Well, I guess we can wrap up. Let's. I don't think we. I don't think I've. i Sometimes I. I forget to. You know, do do my duties here, but um, we do have a Slack community, which uh, is uh, fun and useful. If you're not in there and you're listening to this, you probably want to join. It's gooddaysterpodcast Click on community. Give us your email address. John will add you. Um, what else, John? We have an email address. <laughs> Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Send us questions. We don't. I guess we don't have any questions today. Any topics, whatever. No questions, no yes. reviews. So if, and, you, uh, if you have any reviews or questions you'd like to send our way, please do. Yep. Share That'd us. Be awesome. Tell people about us. All that good stuff. All right. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.